Now, I want to talk tonight about reversal and the concept of reversal. Can anyone tell me what reversal is? Yep, yep, could be. Sorry? God making good in your life? What, the, the actual definition of what a reversal is. Something different, opposite, something completely turning around and going the other direction. Changing direction, that's right. And not just, not just skewing a little bit, but going the complete opposite direction of the way that it was going. Now I'm going to get a bit deep tonight, I'm going to be a little bit serious, so bear with me. Hopefully not too serious. I try not to take myself too seriously. When Jesus corrects something, it's a reversal. It's a very clear, definite, this is happening, reversal. When Jesus creates something, it looks like a reversal. Now, there is a lot that is wrong with the world. Uh, we, we all have a pretty decent understanding of this. Um, people are black and white. And as much as we like to think that we aren't black and white, people are black and white. I got this a lot when I was a kid, and, and you know, rightly so as well. Um, people used to think I was really black and white, like, oh, you're too black and white. And I'm like, I can see what they were saying, and in a sense I was. Um, I didn't see any grey areas at all, um, but in a lot of ways, I'm still very black and white. And uh, I, I think that there's always a black and a white, It's just that we're not always good at seeing which is black and white. And those are the gray areas that we think exist. The world is black. Let's just for the sake of example say that the world is black. We are black because we are part of the world. And when we are black, we honestly believe that that where we're from is right. No one really grows up thinking that everything around them is fundamentally wrong. When you're around something long enough, I mean, you look at racism, for example. You look at a culture that's got lots of racism in it. No one in that culture grows up thinking, this is wrong. It takes someone to actually coming along and going, hey, this is wrong, (laughs) for people who have grown up in that environment to actually, you know, realize. That's why we needed people like Martin Luther King. I have a dream where racism doesn't exist. You see, people who grow up in that environment, they think that it's right. They, they, they are surrounded by that, and they think that it is right. We honestly believe that where we are from is right. But God's kingdom is not of this world. It is not from this world. It is different. So our initial reaction to any major reversal that Jesus does is that that's foreign sometimes even that's wrong or that's unnecessary because i'm gonna put this weight otherwise i'm gonna play with it all message (laughs) i'm already playing with it don't wait because i'm a fidgeter when i'm losing my train of thought now our initial reaction to any major reversal that jesus does is often well, that's unnecessary, or that or sometimes even that that's wrong. But that's just because it's foreign. It's not of this world. I actually know pastors, plural pastors from different churches, who in their churches brought people into the church that the church was uncomfortable with. 
rough people, people who actually need Jesus, people who are actually the ones that Jesus came for. And members of those churches went to those pastors and said, it's us or them. And the pastors chose them and left and went to pastor them instead. It's a bit sad, isn't it? God, I really hope that that is never our church. Carl Lentz, who was the lead pastor of Hillsong, New York, said something funny about this. He said, we should always be comfortable having a church where we have one hand in the air praising God and the other hand on our wallets. Because I love you, but you might steal my stuff. (laughs) In other words, we should have people in the church that are from some pretty rough backgrounds and, you know, rough enough that we might actually be concerned that they might steal what we have. But that's okay. They're welcome in our church. We are so used to the black that we don't see the black that is black. Instead, we see white. Our natural instinct, uh, sorry, instead when we see white, our natural instinct is to react poorly. But you see, the way that Jesus works is in reverse. It's in the opposite to the way that the world works. Now, we are going to have an experiment. I would like to invite Jack up to the stage. Jack's going to give me a hand with this. Give him a hand as he comes up. Woo, Jack! Woo! Okay, so what we're going to do is we have a bucket. Do we know which one's which? Awesome. (laughs) That's good. All right. We are going to have three buckets up here with different types of water. One will be cold, one will be warm, one will be room temperature. Don't put your hands in the room temperature one. Is this the room temperature one? No, that's the hot one. Okay. It's steaming, so that's an indicator. It's either, it's, either, it's either really hot or it's like really cold. You know when something's so cold that it's steaming and you're just like, ah! Okay, and this is the cold one and that's the room temperature one. All right, I want you to put both of your hands at the same time. Uh, in one, one into that one, one into this one. No, dude. A, that is a myth. B, that's when you're asleep. I'm not going to make you wee yourself. <laughs> okay, just hold them in there for a second. Not quite that second. All right, cool. You good? You're getting pretty used to it? All right, cool, cool. All right, now take your hands out. Shake them off a little bit. Now put them both in there. What are your hands feeling? Awesome. So the one that was in the hot water thinks it's cold. The one that was in the cold water thinks it's hot. Isn't that interesting? All right, Jack, you can sit down. Thank you. You see what I'm getting at? We are shaped by the environment that we are in. And when we, are, when we experience something that's foreign to that, our perception of what has happened is going to be colored by the situation that we came from. Just like the way our hands work, that's the way our brains work. That's the way our spirits work. When we see something that is foreign, we're like, ah, that's wrong. Or that's weird. It's like, I love Jack's initial reaction. He puts his hand in, he's like, oh, because it's completely the opposite. One hand's hot, one hand's cold. It's the same temperature water. 
sometimes it can be the same thing. This is very closely related to what Emily was preaching about this morning. Sometimes when God does something, it can be the same thing that God does and two people have two very different reactions to it. We actually have the power to decide what our reaction is going to be. So you see, we are blind to our environment. And it's why becoming more like Jesus, sanctification, is a lifelong process because Jesus is unraveling us from our environment. So my question to you then is, are you prepared for Jesus to reverse your world? Are you prepared for Jesus to subvert your expectations? Because that's what Jesus does. The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, was the first God to say no to human sacrifice. In that world, in that environment, the people around them would have been going, what? That's really weird. It was commonplace. Every culture of the day sacrificed their firstborns. And God said no. Well, that's strange. They also put laws in place to make sure that slaves were treated well and not treated however their owner saw fit, while also ensuring that they could obtain freedom and be empowered when they leave. That was revolutionary. Everyone kept slaves. Everyone treated them however the heck they wanted. And God put things in place. They already had slaves. God said, you were going to treat these people well, you're going to pay them, and you're going to give them an option to leave after seven years. That's revolutionary. Coming to more recent years, Jesus came and dwelt with humans on earth. God made flesh. That's a bitter pill to swallow for anyone. Believing in a higher power is one thing, but believing that he came to earth to live as a human being is absurd in a lot of ways, isn't it? Jesus stood in the way of people being lawfully executed for their crimes. He proclaimed salvation over, set free, and accepted people who were rejects of society. He went to dinner at prostitutes' houses and tax collectors' houses. That's applicable today too because people still hate tax collectors and people still think that prostitution is, is shameful, within reason, of course. Well, not within reason. There are reasons for that, of course, is what I meant to say. Jesus went and had dinner with those people. Jesus reversed a lot of things during his time on earth, and those were carried through the generations until now, and we are still feeling those effects 2,000 years later. Coming to more recent times still, there are still some reversals coming that are going to be uncomfortable for people. Society has convinced itself that science proves that God doesn't exist when it doesn't prove that God doesn't exist. Society thinks that abortion is a women's rights issue when it's a baby's rights issue. And also that if you disagree with someone, then you can't love them. Why? But that's what society sees. Jesus operates in reverse. He really does. And the kingdom of God operates in reverse. Part of the journey of becoming more and more like Jesus is being willing to to be drawn further and further into his kingdom 
And as we do so, we will see more of what Jesus sees. The catch is that he is going to challenge our thinking in some really radical ways. So I thought something great to do briefly tonight would be to look at some of the key ways that Jesus' kingdom operates that are different to the way the wider world works so we can get a better understanding of or be reminded of how differently Jesus operates. Jesus' kingdom. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 to 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. James chapter 2, verse 24. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The kingdom of God has nothing to do with the works that we perform. Does that make sense to most of society? The Bible says that both faith and works are required of us. Not one or the other. But the reversal here is that we can't earn salvation. If anyone asks you what makes Christianity different to any other religion, there it is. We cannot earn salvation. Jesus gives it to us as a gift. More is required after the fact, but it's not to achieve salvation, it's because of salvation. That's the reversal. Most of society is surrounding and built around the actions that people do. Jesus says, if you want to come to me, your actions don't matter. Your actions cannot earn your way into the kingdom of God. Next one. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 to 12. One day after Moses had grown up, because, you know, just casually one day, I'm grown up now. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. I love the way it says this. Looking this way and that, seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Just casually as you do. Moses was a first-degree murderer. Premeditated murder. Now let me take you to this one other scene a little later. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 to 10. The Lord said, I have indeed indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I am sending you. Jesus sent Moses even though he was a murderer. He had the shadiest past you could think of. He was even raised by the oppressors of the Hebrews. Jesus chose him anyway because he had a plan. The reversal here is that God's plan for you is not determined by your past. It's determined by him because he made you with purpose 
And even when we do our own thing, the intention that God created us with remains. The kingdom of God has nothing to do with the person that you are and everything to do with the person that God created you to be. Next one. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 to 2, and then 20, verse 8 to 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came each and received a denarius. So when those who... When those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have, done, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last, the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. In our society, loyalty, length of time served, commitment, how long you've been on the journey, these are all things that are valued really, really highly. That's why we have long service leave. And there's nothing wrong with valuing those things at all. But in Jesus' kingdom, the reversal is that you could be someone who hears about Jesus for the first time when you are dying, and you receive the exact same reward as someone who has been serving in church since the day they were three. In Jesus' kingdom, the reward you receive has nothing to do with the length you have been in it, and everything to do with, as Jesus says, his generosity. And of course, the ultimate reversal. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 8. You see, at the right time, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can I be real with you for a second? I don't want to be someone who gets left behind by the kingdom of God. I don't want to be the kind of person who gets so caught up in my own way of viewing the world that I'm misplacing more importance on the way Jesus views things. Can I get the band back up, please? I don't want to get so caught up in my way of viewing the world that I miss sharing Jesus with someone who needs him. I don't want to get so caught up in my preferences and the way I feel and, and my, what makes me comfortable that I miss out. My prayer is, Jesus, please help me to never be in the way of someone coming to you. 
I don't want to get so caught up in myself that I spend more time tearing down the kingdom of God than building it up. You see, we can choose to live in reverse. We can choose to be peacemakers when people are divided or offended. We can choose to set aside our preferences in favor of what God is doing. There is a passage in Joel which I want to finish with. Joel chapter 2, verse 25 to 28. It's going to come up on the screen. I'll repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be ashamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be ashamed. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Isn't that amazing? That's an amazing prophecy. So often when we read this, we think, wow, awesome. Won't it be great when that comes? And we miss the previous chapter and a half calling God's people to repent and make themselves holy. Interestingly, God specifically tells them to rend their hearts not their garments. You see, the people of Israel used to very publicly weep and mourn and appear to change their ways. It was part of their culture. God asks them to fix their hearts, not their appearance. You see, living in reverse has nothing to do with appearance and everything to do with who we actually are. It's not enough to seem to become more like Jesus. We need to actually become more like Jesus. And like Emily was preaching this morning, that's intentional. If we want to be effective for God's kingdom, if we want to make a difference, if we want that grand future that Jesus promises us, not just in heaven but on earth, we need to be able, we need to be able, we need to be willing to sacrifice our preferences. God's love for you is unconditional. The fulfillment of many of his promises is conditional. Live in reverse. How do we live in reverse? Make yourself right with Jesus and he will reverse you if you are open to it.